don't stop for anything, okay? Just keep driving. You'll find there's no one else out there, and then you tell me what you find. Because what you're not going to find is primary sources for this stuff, because it doesn't exist. And if I'm wrong, please, someone prove it. Turn up, turn up! recording again yeah but it should reset it. it hopefully i think the bots actually cause it to refresh the um the ram i'm not sure but i think something like that refreshes its flash memory something like that got yeah it's uh I saw the original saying i'm trying to reset things he's having issues too so it may not be might not. the internet's gonna end it's another mandela event Look out. Yeah, that's what's uh, I think Hilly made a comment. Is is take no notice going to break the internet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably, probably. That's yeah. right. 10 minutes time, we'll we won't even remember it. We'll just say, Oh, no, no, but it was the other way around, wasn't it? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a Mandela effect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, John, I know you're here. We didn't you can't you see John? He's here too. He's halfway up somewhere up in. You know, Vietnam, he's talking to us on a bus. Every time he goes around a corner to the left, we get him. Then he's gone again. <laughs> Seriously. No, I know. It's, it's, no. <laughs> so you, you've got it. While, while I've got you, you've got to tell me your thoughts on the map. Do you, do you think it's a real thing or not? Uh, it's a tough one because I've had what you would call a Mandela effect, a couple of my own, and I've thought, well, I mean, one of mine was with the five-minute manager, and it's actually the one-minute manager. And, you know, all the evidence, it's a book that was written that I used in management training uh, years ago with a whole lot of managers, and I bought them. I bought, bought like 20 copies of this book, and I haven't even got a single copy anymore. And everyone says, oh, no, it's the one-minute manager. I said, no, it's the five-minute manager. And I remember the book, and the book is identical, but they've got one minute, not five minutes on the front. And I just, it spun me big time. <laughs> I sort of like, shit, I must have got off earth and got on the wrong one. <laughs> but, you know, that's, but a lot of the other ones, I've looked at countries. Each country has a different version of a show or something like that. And there are minor changes which writers make. A lot of it, I think, is that. But I think it's used to create confusion as well. Um, some countries have different rules of wording and how you can use it influencing for, to do with their uh, categories where they put it into for child viewing etc there's a bit of that in some of them but some of them I just have no idea I think wow you know frankly my dear I don't give a damn that's one of them well that's my that one <laughs> some of the some of the movies the interview with the vampire one so was it interview with the vampire and I know it's only simple see things like this I can I can sort of relate to that being maybe a slight difference from country to country because they do edit and change things when they're putting in adverts and things like that. I can sort of excuse it, but Jaws, for instance, in the, the movie with his teeth and the girl the with the pigtails, and the, that one's got me a little bit miffed. That, I that, remember watching that at the movies. That one is a, a biggie, isn't it, for me? And I yeah, think, for I me, think it's it was... one I cannot 
I can't answer it. <laughs> yeah, I think Shadow Tiger mentioned that Discord server mm. earlier. There's 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 no way you can't dismiss it. And I'll keep batting on about the Star Wars ones as well. I mean, for me, the obviously the C3PO gold leg, I, I was an absolute nutter of a Star Wars fan when I was a child. Yeah. I, I could I could read I could literally give you the, the script backwards for all, all the first three films. And you know, I used to as a child I used to have all the toys. And I can tell you that my C3PO toys all had gold legs. Both legs were gold. Does he have gold legs anymore? He has one gold leg and one silver leg. And the scary thing is, is that when I first first heard about this, I actually checked. I had my original DVD that I'd bought. Uh, So the original DVD of Star Wars came out something like, I think it was the mid-1990 or something like this when DVDs come out first. Mm. And uh, I checked the original DVD and lo and behold, he had a silver frigging leg. And I thought, no way. <laughs> no way. What's going on here? Well, I, I'm with you on that one because I remember the gold legs. I remember yeah. when he, him walking across the desert with the 3PO next to him or whatever. And they're gold yeah. legs. They're both gold legs. Yeah, I, both. When he was pulled apart in, the, in the, the ship by those little bugs or whatever he had two gold legs it's uh, it's unbelievable and and the other one obviously is in the empire back is when uh vader luke and the, and he says uh luke i am your father and they used to have t-shirts of that and all sorts yeah. of things and when you go back to the original again go back to the original videos and he actually says no i am your father <laughs> No. And the best thing for me, even though you can find the residual evidence of the T-shirts with uh, people have still got these T-shirts saying, Luke, I am your father on. um, Mm. The best the best residual or sort of residual for me was is that somebody got so pissed off about this that they actually went to James Earl Jones without telling him why they asked him to say his famous line, because that was the famous line from Empire Strikes Back. And guess what he said it was? He said it was Luke, I am your father. That's what he said from James Earl Jones' own mouth. In other words, he's stuck in the Mandela <laughs> event. Oh. Even he remembered saying Luke. <laughs> so it's what's the purpose to this, I wonder? I mean, well, it, it, it's creating, I suppose it's daycare for adults, maybe. It's keeping us all in confusion. Well, I mean, the, the whole whole system tends to do that anyway, doesn't it? I mean, mm. a similar day a bit. I mean, maybe it's a data experiment to see how we feel about it, how we react, and they gather the data. I mean, I'm being a bit nefarious there, but it, it really does start, you start to doubt your own memories because you get someone like JLB who come on and challenge you and quite, you know, correctly in today's world and say, well, there's the evidence. There's my primary evidence. What are you talking about? And you cannot refute the evidence here now. But you know in your own memory that you had other evidence. Then when you go back and check your own evidence, that spooks you. That's the one that I go, wait a minute. You know, I, I used to have very, very good memory, numbers, etc. I knew reference numbers coming out of my head at one stage. And I haven't quite got, I haven't been diagnosed with Alzheimer's yet. So something's going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of these ones I understand where people who are probably in a way completely believing of everything they visually see in the internet and so whatever's here now is the primary evidence and they will stand on that firmly but there is also our own evidence in our own memories but we can't actually we can't show prove that as easily so we tend to have to back down and then we start to lose faith in our own memories uh you know because you you can't go back in time and show a recording of you watching and seeing 3po with 
two gold legs. How do we prove it? And we've both seen it. Well, I have. I remember seeing it. Well, I I believe I saw it, which means means I no longer seek to check it, but I can't. Well, this this is the strange thing, Phil. Even though the move itself seems to have changed, as I said, there is residual evidence. So one, you have these toys. Which is interesting. Yeah, exactly. So you have toys. There's still toys, original toys from the 1970s that are yeah. that have gold legs, and also there's still photo- photographs as well. So there's you know like on set photographs of um, Anthony Daniels mm. with the C3PO suit on with with the two gold legs and things like this. So you know it, it's sort of it's like undeniable. Where they they completely reset everything after while everyone's asleep. What was that movie? It was I can't remember. But you know when everything goes back to normal at the end of the day, reset and it, maybe the guy who reset it had had a month off and just couldn't quite <laughs> yeah. remember it properly. So slightly different. And of course everything everything follows everything is connected in the wire mesh automatically changes with it but if it's been put into a garage in some garage sale and gone off in some dump or something and then it's discovered again well it wouldn't have been changed by the wire mesh maybe that's how it's it there's definitely a conundrum yeah um, i certainly don't i certainly don't accept the um you know all these what they what they're saying on on the youtube channels about CERN doing it it's quantum computers and all these other things it's utter rot but uh if they if they could do it do you think they'd stop with this with what we've got no They would have been going hell for leather. Greed would have (laughs) taken over by now, and we wouldn't know which way was up. I'm sorry. They (laughs) couldn't hold back. It it would be like a kid in a lolly shop. Can you imagine the fun they'd have? Oh, God, you know. You put any of us in a circumstance where we can change history enough to confuse people, especially if we're in a position of authority. We're going to do it just for for laughs. Yeah. Have a few drinks, and why not? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and obviously the um, the other the other big theory is obviously if the place was some kind of simulation, which again me and the original simulant touched on, and there's no way either of us believe that anyway. But obviously the thought for the Mandela effect is if it is some kind of simulation, then whoever's running the simulation could change anything at any time. So exactly, and he and they would. That's the point. They yes. they wouldn't stop with just these little things. These remind me of glitches. They, they're more like when your programming goes flaky. Remember the old term flaky when it, it had to be reset? You had to reboot it and things like that. It's sort of like that sort of because I've had bots. I work with a guy who's making bots for me. And they go really well for a couple of weeks. Then they'd start to fragment. And it was he said, it's just fragmenting. The software is breaking down. How can it break down? It's just mathematics. Never, I've never understood that. But it, it just used to, it, I suppose it's that copying problem where each copy is a slightly different version of the previous and it just over time breaks down or maybe that's what this mandala is it's sort of like the way sync for instance if sync is a program or a say it's a law a law of energy or a law of something maybe over time it has these little glitches and corrections and you know maybe your sync is different to my sync or something like that i don't know it's really hard to say isn't it i mean with with the sinks with the sinks it's almost like we're being given given the messages but with the mandela effect thing it just doesn't it makes no sense well the one thing that does make no sense to me whatsoever is the fact that obviously only things appear to be changing in the media so with songs with with films with tv Uh, and and some literature there's some oh no wait a minute i'm only looking at digital versions of books like the bible problems and most of them are copywritten, so they're already rewritten anyway. They're not original. Uh, but the, I, th- I do believe that paper copies of the um, King James Bible are supposed to have been changed. So there's been words, words gone in, 
been changed in the I think I had uh, what I? I think I had a 1920 King mm. James Bible and uh, but they change them all the time it, it, very well they do now yeah yeah part of it means it's been changed it's been altered <laughs> I mean the damn things you know it's just a, an evolving history book really well there's there's an interesting thing for you I've been doing some research into the Bible especially the the Greek uh, the ancient Greek going back mm. to my King James version research which was actually back in the last year when when do you think the uh, king james bible was was actually first patented and who bought could you guess <laughs> the the narrative is <laughs> but um i'll bet it's in the 17 to 1800s somewhere no it actually isn't oh. it's actually the monarch who patented the king james bible was queen victoria oh so it's even later oh, yes okay. Yeah. So how how interesting is that? Well, I, I I was thinking about your maritime law and all that because I was walking this morning. I do a walk after work, and so I was rushing to get back. And uh, and I was thinking about because I studied Charles Viner, who was the person who introduced equity into law in the 1700s. And before then, it was supposedly the Star Chamber and the King, and that was the only true area where you could actually go and argue your case or whatever it was. And but he, when Viner brought in equity, and I don't know if you understand what equity actually is, but that was the new accounting system for all things to run by when it went from serfdom to uh, a tenancy, if you like. We're, we're tenants. We're basically working on our value of our potential, and then they could borrow against each other, and this helped trade, and it, it went maritime. It was maritime. That was the true, to me, the birth of maritime law as we know it, where everything is negotiable contract. It's yeah. all about contract law. It's nothing else. And uh, And the one thing you must never do is disagree or say no what you do is you say yes with conditions very quickly uh, in maritime so for instance if someone says well i want to charge you with doing this or you've got to do this and this and you say well i i agree yes i'll do that on the following conditions and then you set your conditions now that can go indefinitely it's like the ebbing tide coming in and out the tide is the negotiation and in theory, the idea was that it was a very fast way of doing law because the law of the sea, you had to. You, you had elements that were affecting you. And it's commerce. You haven't got time to fiddle around. So you always agree, but you agree with conditions. And uh, then they agree, but with conditions. But if they don't agree, you can take them to court and get an arbitrator to decide in a short manner. So each side must never not agree. And then they negotiate their way out of it and they never end up, this is the point, you, you, this is your negotiation, so you don't waste the time. You go to court when one refuses to agree and that's when you're screwed because the court will then take the decision-making out of both hands, becomes an arbiter, usually a king, a crown representative. But um, And then it's political. The last place you want to be is in court because you're, you're on a set of rules that you have no control over. But equity was basically the potential of a ship to bring back so many tons of cargo worth that much. So that captain's equity was valued at that. And that's how he, a person would fund his ship to go on that journey based on his previous journeys and his previous earnings. Right. Um, and that system of, of law and that system of commerce started in the 1700s, basically. <laughs> After, you know, I can't get back further. I can't get evidence of it 
Uh, really, it buggers me. And Viner, I looked into him a lot. He's got 20 journals of stuff, worked my way through with a couple of other guys. And, and Black's Law wouldn't exist without him. When he died, his estate paid for the, the guy who wrote Black's Law and started that whole system. It, all his stuff is held in the Bodleian, and the only they'll allow you to look at is his will. They're pricks. I actually went, and I because I was a member of the Bodleian when I was in England, and I, I still was not given access, and I don't even think half of it exists. You know, it's one of these fictitious things, another little game being played. So, so law basically started in the 1700s. <laughs> well, the law that we understand, which is based on equity, which is about, you know, I, I pay a subscription to JLB based on the equity that I believe that he's going to produce content of a certain amount in the next month. That's how I pay my subscription. Everything works this way. That's how we do it. We give up something with the expectation of receiving something for and we value it. We use whatever we want to use as a currency. I was going to say, the, yeah, the, the interesting thing there is it's not John Le Bon who takes, who takes the credit, though, is it? It's some other geezer who, who oh, takes, the, takes the credit off, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He takes the credit. taking a percentage of everything we give to him as well. And does absolutely fuck all for it. It really <laughs> pisses me off. I mean, I'd rather hand him the money directly, but, you know, some friggin' PayPal thing has to take its cut now, you know, and they do nothing for it. You know, it's sort of, you know, that extra couple of dollars is probably a chicken noodle soup for him. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it's all equitable. <laughs> But, you know, everyone's feeding off everyone and a lot of them are doing nothing for it. It's like when people tip with a, on a credit card. I used to look at them and say, what are you doing? So I'm putting the tip on, the, on my credit card. I said, why, why are you tipping the bank? I said, what do you mean? I said, you're tipping the bank. They haven't done anything. Give them the cash. <laughs> you know, they don't understand merchant fees and bloody their fees. You know, they, the bloody bank gets it both ways. Oh. Crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. It's just a, a food fest. I mean, I can remember 20, 25 years ago where I used to go behind the shed and find a gypsy to do this and that for me and hand him a you know 20 quid note or something like that. And I'd get my car registered, etc. I shouldn't say this on public, but anyway, I'd get it all done, no problem. No questions <laughs> asked. Now he's the friggin' honest one. Because everyone <laughs> else brilliant. is trying to rip you off. He was the risky one in the old days because everyone was on. Now it's flipped the other way. You go out to get your car registered and the guy's trying to tell you your diff needs fixing and you need new oil or this is broken and this. And suddenly it's going to cost you 500 quid to get your car registered. You go, what? Whereas the guy around the corner just said, oh, give me 50 quid, I'll give you the slip. No worries, it's done. So who's the honest one here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'll sell you some insurance on the warranty. You can do an extended warranty and it covers for this. Well, your fucking warranty is warranty. I don't need to extend it. It's like extending something that's infinite already. If it's a manufacturer's fault, it's covered. End of story. And everything else is not. <laughs> you know, and everything else is not. Wear and tear is not covered by manufacturer's warranty because it, it's just if it breaks in those first few days, that's it. But, oh, it's a good, good lurk, that insurance business. Well. Big money. Start an insurance company. You're laughing. <laughs> but, yeah, Mandela's a, a fun. I wonder how Mandela plays with the insurance industry. How do you underwrite a Mandela effect? <laughs> that's, well, that's a thought, isn't it? Yeah. 
you know those fishing competitions where you know they mark one fish and put it in a pool with ten thousand fish and a million dollars or a million quid for the guy who catches the fish if he catches it? Well, what if you do a Mandela and all the fish have got numbers? How's the insurance company going to underwrite it or if, if the if the number changes or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'd love to know actually what's causing it or what where it came from. I don't. It, it just still seems dubious to me that it that it's uh, the media thing. I think what you could say, you know, outside of the media that seems to be changing. You think Beyond a, their mental capabilities yeah. to think it up, to be honest. Mm. It may be some guys at, at a level now who are copying and taking advantage of confusion. Yes, that that's, you know, I mean, for instance, if you're a content creator, you created something in 10 years, 15 years ago, and it was published. You could go back and especially if you've got it digitally saved, like I've written manuals in the past, I've still got them on file. I could go back and alter little words and publish them and then go back to the employers that I made them for and say, well, you know, what? why have you changed the, the manuals? Here's my version of them that I wrote. And they'd be screwed. They'd say, huh? So who, who organized the printing of this? It's wrong. And then they go, but that's right. No, but this is right. I'm the one who wrote it. And then I just turn around and say, oh, it must be a Mandela effect. And there I've reinforced the meme. You could come unstuck there because if somebody took a copy of that and sealed it in an envelope with a, with a, you know, with a, a stamp seal dated, mm. then, then, you know, that could be opened. But think about magic and illusion and how they pull a, a letter out of a tree and all that. And they want you to believe that they put the letter in the tree. They're just using video compression techniques and illusion to do it because your eye cannot see the, the fact that it's moving. They know the limitations of the body. But um, I, I'm sure I could come unstuck. I'm being very simplistic with that. But if you were, if you figured this out, you could be very nefarious with it now. Certainly. Well, we would use it for fun and mayhem. <laughs> but but I think uh, a greedy person could use a commercial game. You could get out of a contract very easily because the, the contracts change. The terms of the contract have changed if anything is different. You know, it's very French, actually. Viva la France. You know, you come to get the money at the end of the deal after 12 months of negotiations and they change their mind. And you say, why? They say, viva la France, for the good of France. End of deal. <laughs> You know the French. <laughs> when it doesn't suit them, no matter how hard you've negotiated and you've got them pinned down, they turn around and just walk away and they say, for the good of France, it was above me. It's nothing to do with me. It's for the good of France. And you're gone. Indian stuff. Yeah. Indian soda. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're worse. <laughs> I, I've laughed. Have you watched, however, years? Everyone's tried, talked up India as a great place to do business. And then you never hear of them after about two years. It's because they're still trying to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They never get paid. Oh, God. Never do. I shouldn't say this, but I, I know very few people who've got paid out of India. At the end of it, it's always cost them. It's never been profitable. That's a, this is why the Chinese always want to be paid in pro forma. Payments Absolutely. <laughs> they're, they're not stupid. They want it up front, and uh, that's the only way. You Very hard. They're also long thinkers, long-term generational thinkers, which is not suitable for a greed mentality. If you want a quick quick money, you're, you're going to get negotiated into a corner ultimately by them. They're going to pin you down. You've got to think long-term. 
having said that, you you can you know they rip us off. Oh God, it's shocking. You know, you got to watch them. Oh, the Chinese for sure. Yeah, I was shown some plastic rice the other day, actual plastic rice that was in a bag of rice. I've heard about that a few times, to be honest. Yeah. I I had this discussion with the guy that showed me. I said, why would they even do it? Doesn't plastic cost more to make than rice? (laughs) (laughs) I sort of can't see the logic. I just, you know, they're forming it up and it's coming out in a a rice-shaped pellet and being mixed in. And I go, why? I don't understand why you would even do it. I understand they can do it, but why would you? Where's the money in it? What what it might be, Phil, is that the the plastic that they're making the rice is probably highly filled with chalk. So if you could get um, to 80% chalk into that polymer, um, Uh, possibly more. Like an absorber of moisture, maybe? Well, no, no. Chalk chalk um, is used as a filler. It's usually used Mm. as a filler or as a, you know, to increase the weight of the polymer. It's it's more to produce than no. It's 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 probably one of the cheapest commodities out there. No, it's it's the the main go to that's used to fill it. Yeah, and I suppose if you've got one percent different billion tons of, well, it's a difference. Well, just just think about it. If your polymer, so say the polymer was a ton of polymer is going to be or in pounds, you're looking at about twelve hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. And a, a ton of chalk is roughly 150 pounds for a ton. So then, if yeah. you've got 80 80 percent of the pellet is chalk, well, you, you can see. Uh, yeah. I, I think you find it will be cheaper than the rice in that respect. Yeah. So, but then the next question is why? <laughs> I, I understand that money is important, but wow. It, you know, it's a food source. It's sort of like, but then they've got this problem with their no Chinese will buy baby powder on shore in on their own country, no matter where it's come from. They just don't trust it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I mean, that tells you a lot about their own. You know, it's like, you know, buy Chinese. I'm Chinese. No, no, thank you. Only if it's come from another country. Mm-hmm. So you've got to buy Chinese made from Australia. Otherwise, it's no good. <laughs> it's bizarre. Well, it, it is bizarre, but unfortunately, from what I can gather, you know, it, it, this isn't just the Chinese trying, you know, make a quick book. This is the whole of the food industry gets, when up, I to this, gets work, up to this. Uh, six years ago, uh, my aunt worked for the government. She was in laboratories doing all the testing on food sources, that part of the EU shit and all that. They tested, they were the ones that found the fish oil wasn't really sort of stuff and she's telling me if you saw what i saw with chickens you'd never eat a chicken again oh god don't tell me please (laughs) but um they found they caught the the tv meal dinners range one of the groups uh across the eu had substituted beet sugar no they'd substituted potato starch with beet sugar okay right as a filler because yeah. the beet sugar that year they'd had a, an abundant beet and they could they they didn't know what to do with this overproduction and the potatoes were expensive they the potato starch was quite expensive so they substituted it and then they used another chemical to mask the sugar the sh- the sweetness so you weren't aware of it but 30% of your meal was sugar 
30%. It's just sugar. That's all it was. It was beet sugar in a form as a filler. It was gelatite or thickened up or whatever. She said we caught them and then found, and it was worth millions, hundreds of millions of euros was what they'd saved by doing it. And they were going to do it on and on. But as the health department, she said, we said, there's a little thing called diabetes that we believe is partly uh, a a subsequent consequence of uh, having too much sugar in the diet and you're filling these meals with 30% sugar. And this wasn't just these TV meals. It was a whole range of products. The industry had done it across the board and they had to change. They, They couldn't change what was in the market. They couldn't make it public, but they basically stopped them from that moment on. And the thing that got me was, and, and her, she said there was no recall. There was no nothing. They just let it go out of the food chain. It was gone within two to three weeks, apparently. You know, things go on. <laughs> oh, I know they do. And, and they go on. <laughs> the, wor- the worst is for me is, is so, you, you know, you, you have people like this lady is saying who, who checks things like this, and yeah. they do, but they still get other things going across them all the time uh, things oh. like you know when people are, are you know fortifying breakfast cereals and things like yeah. this and the fortifications are utter rubbish and essentially all it is is again is just a filler to bulk yes. out the product and that's all it is again so well she you know. said to me basically she said manufacturers dismantle food take out all the components monetize each component and then they assemble what is the most the cheapest form of the food they can make and they sell anything else to make more profit yeah they recompile she said the best thing you can do is to make your own food if you do that alone you will be so much better off you want ice cream make it that's uh, the wisest words ever and, and, and i mean make it. <laughs> yeah i mean if you uh, want chocolate make it <laughs> don't rely on anyone <laughs> And and she's the, right. the, the thing that gets me though is how you know you have all this um, demonization of all these the food sources and things like this the gmos and, and whatever else but essentially uh, you know the, the whole game that's going on is purely what you've just said about the deconstruction and reconstruction and to sell it as cheap as they possibly you know make it as cheap as they possibly can to make as much profit that's all it's about it's not about even though as a byproduct of that, people are, you know, being made ill, are being made unhealthy. It's not they done on... They sale, that's it. Yeah. Do not think of a future. Yeah, it's... It's it's, it's like it's, it's the problem with the health industry and that's thing where, you know, a sick you need sick people, otherwise you can't make money. Um, so you keep them perpetually in disease so that you can keep making money out of them. It defeats the purpose of... You know, the, well, the psychology is that we go to health to get healthier. Uh, we use health systems for that, but um, it's gone. We've been corporatized, basically, across the board. Uh, they call it the human resource department now for a very good reason. <laughs> yeah, you're damn right about that one. <laughs> well, well termed. Well yes. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, yes. you go to Asia and you get what you see is what you get, and you can watch it coming by from the farmer who drops it off there and that, and it's why they're ostensibly healthier, but they do have their problems. They have so much trickery going on in their culture. 
but it seems to be not quite as heavily corporatized. It's like my wife, I, you know, she said, oh, the corruption over in Asia. And then I was talking about it. And she said, yeah, there's, it's everywhere. I said, well, and she said, oh, you don't have any corruption here. I said, oh, 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 oh yes, we do. It's just cleverly hidden. It's more hidden in the West than it is. It's not so over the top and outward as it is in Asia. You know, you you don't have to backhand everyone visibly here, but you've got to pay a tax or you've got to pay us, you know, a, this or you've got to get this authority or you've got to get this license to do this. It's all forms of corruption when you look at it because it's all been monetized. It shouldn't need to be monetized. It's pretty shocking, isn't it, really? Yeah, we're just as bad. I mean, look at our politicians. God almighty. Catching helicopters here and helicopters there. And, you know, it's what? And they're career people. You know, how can being a politician be a career? That's a mistake. It's another corporation. It's just another structure. It's the pendulum will swing the other way. We'll see. But at the moment, the best thing, I suppose, is technology where it's all going and what it's doing. That's getting a little bit, when we're going to have the internet of things, not the internet of people, is um, fast approaching. They want to put these chips and things in everything now. Well, the 5G wasn't supposed to be rolling out in, and I know obviously we're halfway through 2019, but um, some of the uh, phone networks are already got it up got it going already well they've been tested on and off but do you love the way australia is actually starting its first 5g city in the name of the city darwin (laughs) is that a slap or what you know (laughs) you know let's recreate another lie (laughs) you know darwinism you know is oh is this the is this the transitional species is it that he was looking for <laughs> I, I, I don't know if they do it intentionally, but someone's just um, give me a break. That's, take the piss, don't they? They really do. Isn't it? It, or is someone that dim they haven't actually thought about it? The other classic is bizarre. I mean, America's all thing about Hawaii, you know, the 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 Chinese telecommunications giant and all that, having all this issue about them being 5G and big arguments, and oh, you can't do that and all that. Yet in Darwin, you've got an American military naval base in Darwin, and the port is owned and run by Chinese owners. Yet there are, I mean, it's it's you've got two enemies in the same geographical location working together on a continually daily basis yet they're arguing about telecommunications and listening to each other what it all it's all crap it's all bullshit i always laugh when the americans send satellite with russian rockets i mean <laughs> this public game they're playing is becoming so, so such a so obvious it's bullshit no it's just a farce it's a joke yeah it's it just Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> but the 5G is, is going to be interesting. Uh, Glastonbury, I've seen some some little bits coming out. that I don't know whether it's bullshit or not. It probably is. I don't know. But they're saying that quite a few people were leaving Glastonbury because of headaches and vomiting and all sorts of things. Because they did actually supposedly test it out in Glastonbury. But I haven't seen anyone showing any meters or showing any evidence. I haven't seen anything like that. The the only thing I have seen, actually, is an area where people have actually gone to court and stopped them. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's happening here, but it's few and far between, but it is happening where they're stopping. 
it'll slow it down, yeah. but pff, it's still going to carry on. Yeah. So. yeah. All they've got to do, all the telcos have got to do is just ramp down the frequency. Instead of running at 60 megahertz, they can run at 40 or 30. Uh, but they just, you know, they, they can play with it. They have the ability to adjust it to suit getting their, their uh, approval from government supposedly bodies, and then they just ramp it up again. It's sort of, it reminds me of the VW thing of adjusting the software so that you're using less fuel until you get past to get into your country, and then you just let it go back to normal. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's the same game. Game hasn't changed. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I, can't see, I can't see myself using a 5G technology for my, because there isn't enough content for me to stream or get in these so-called speeds that they talk about. I don't find there's enough content to listen to now. I, I've got a television that's hardly on. It's on when I downloaded something and I want to watch it on a bigger screen or even listen to a podcast. I listened to a podcast the other day, which I downloaded, put it in USB and put it on the TV so I could have it playing in the background while I was working. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm using a 60-inch television for that. I mean, God. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, my wife wanted a big television and it's just, it's like a dirty, great big black blob on the wall. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's sort of, it's becoming less and less useful. This is why I think they're going for everything having a connection, you know, having its own IP address and reporting back because the data is the information. But I don't know. I mean, what do you do with it? Well, you can make everyone predictable as a resource. Um, at the end of the day, until they've got systems that can replicate and grow without human physical living effort, the resource is still a living thing and it's, you know, you, someone physically has to put something together or dig something out. They're getting closer with robotics and all that uh, where it will produce and harvest and do whatever, but yeah, then I suppose we don't have any value. Then we, we really are just a commodity then to be bought and sold. This sounds really depressing. Well, it is and it isn't. It, you know, I think it, it's, it is how, the, how you look at it again, isn't it, from which side because ultimately with the robotics and things like this all that you know the shift has already started to happen anyway has been oh, yeah. as with people at you know not doing labor intensive jobs you know that the factory workers more and more factories are, are you know are becoming more roboticized or you want to that's been what do those here. people do now do they sit in coffee shops listening to jlb podcasts or world podcasts i mean what do they what is the human, the average normie, uh, going to do? Well, there's more people in service centres, and isn't that? Yeah. But I mean, even from the UK, you know, that that for a time anyway, that moved over to places like India and wherever yeah. has started yeah. to come back again now because of the people here well, didn't want to be talking you, to foreigners. Or they drive you nuts. They hang <laughs> up. They just hang up when they don't understand. You just don't get anywhere. So yeah. By the way, I've I've figured out. A, I'm I'm doing an experiment with um, MPT M, NPCs. Uh, NPCs. Sorry. Uh, I've I'm following a hypothesis that to deal with an NPC, you need to give them three responses. Everything is in threes, and and then you will placate them, and they will continue on merrily, or they won't disturb you if you don't. Because you know when you go into a shop, they always come up and say, oh, can I help you? Is there anything I can do? And you know it's a controlled response that they're basically put into them. 
Well, you've got to give them three responses. Otherwise, they'll continue, right? You have to turn around and acknowledge them. Say, oh, thank you. you Thank you for, I basically say, no, thank you. I don't need any help at the moment. I will call you if I need you. And then I say, thank you for asking. Yeah. And they trot off merrily. So I I basically acknowledge that they, they approach me. Then I tell them, give them my response that I don't need their help, or I do. You could say yes or no. And then I I finish it. I complete the subroutine by basically thanking them, which is deemed as a positive response for the interaction in their system. And then they go off merrily, and they're starry-eyed, and they never bother me again. But the problem is there's three more around. And as you walk through each zone, you have to go through this ritual with each of them. But it does... I'm wondering if if you can apply this three-type principle to almost every MPC and then start to make it work for you. So you could acknowledge that the, the bank teller's there, oh, good to see you here. I want this, this, and this, and thank you for being so attentive and so good. At- <laughs> well, I would like to make it with you. $10,000, please. <laughs> I, I thank you. It's great to see you here, Diane. Uh, I want I want to have all the money in your till, and I've got a gun with me. And it's really nice to see, you know nice that you're giving it to me. Thank you very much. You're such a good employee. I want to, <laughs> you're bad. You're as bad as me. But I well, there's Billy's. a pattern to it. It's the point. There's a pattern to responding and getting them to either leave you alone, you know, in the circumstance to to not bother you or to give you something that you require to be able to manipulate it into or for them to go and get someone who can get you what you want because that's about the limit of what they can either give you the information or legion that's about all they can do okay this this is quite interesting that you're saying this have you ever heard of a guy called Darren brown and he's quite famous in the car yeah yeah and yeah yeah he does he does obviously this hypnosis and things like this yeah, yeah. well he yeah. did one of his pieces that he did was um, he, uh, essentially, I think there was, I don't know, five, six people that mm-hmm. he uh, approached in the street and gave them some key phrases. Um, yeah. And they, they kind of, yeah, yeah. And he kind of kept, they kept the phrases that he gave them off the camera. Um, but yeah. the gist of it was, is essentially what he asked to do was to um, transfer money at the bank account into his yeah <laughs> and and well, all, all of them all you're doing is basically telling them what's going to happen telling them it's happening and then reconfirming that it's happening you basically tell them what you're going to do then you tell them you're doing it and then you tell them that it's happened you you just reconfirm you take on these three sequences and that's what's the power of suggestion you like for instance every time you squeeze your every time you squeeze your hand, your hand will get tighter and tighter, and the tighter it gets, your eyes will close, this will get heavier, you'll sleep. You've got to occupy the conscious mind with a task whilst the suggestive word goes in that the eyes will get sleepier and sleepier. So you occupy with the hand, and the harder you try to open your hand, the more you try to open your hand, the harder it is. And they, I'll find a little clip for you where you can practice. It's quite fun, and it shows you how powerful your mind is over you and once this is the we can use this i and i don't mean to use it nefariously but to use it to get rid of the annoyance of npcs at times you know when you just want to function you want to walk amongst them you don't want to be herded by them if that makes sense 
Yeah, totally. They herd mentality. Once you sort of have a problem with one of them, it's suddenly there's three or four of them around you. Oh, for God's sakes. That's when I say, oh, thank you all of you for coming and helping, but at the moment I'm fine. And then they all go, oh, okay, and they'll walk away. I'll call you if I need you. You know, tell them that they're still in the group so you're not abandoning them. I, I really think these these key things are very important. Testing it. Oh, so if you, right. if yeah, if you don't let them feel that they've been abandoned because they have to, their program is that they've got to serve us or got. You know, we go to work with we're programmed. We're no different from them when we go to work. We we have a set of routines. We have to run. If something happens, we have to do this, this, and this. It's the system. Some people stay in it because they, they're suited to being that way all the time. And you can use it to your advantage. Uh, as, as JLB says, you know, without them, you need them. You need them there. Uh, sort of, we all need people who want to buy our product, want to use whatever we're doing. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a purpose. We wouldn't have a reason or we wouldn't have a way to function. Right? So you need them. It's sort of like... You know, if you're making creams, you need every mum and want your cream and treat it like the oil of Ulan, even though they just buy it and use it and they don't even know why they're doing it. Why do we use soap? Because someone told us we need to do it. I mean, a couple of hundred years ago, we all smelt of Everyone smelt of smoke because we used to cook inside with, with wood. Never needed deodorant until they got rid of wood stoves because everyone smelt of smoke. <laughs> That's pretty good, you know. We were smoked. We didn't even need to bath in England because you <laughs> Well, the, the interesting thing for me here is, is that before, obviously, the, um, the, the oil, so the oil boom, mm. what, what, were, what was everybody using for all these cosmetics and things? Because obviously the ladies, there was uh, products like that. I know soap was like made from whale blood, stuff like this years going back, but... Well, saponification, you, that, that's a very simple chemical thing. I mean, I did. I remember doing it at school. You could use any form of oil or vegetable. But the point is there was no purpose for soap as, as we know it then. Uh, it, cleanliness was water was clean. Uh, it cleaned. It cleansed. Jeez, how old's the bathtub? Jesus. <laughs> well, then have you, have you think that um, the cowboys all your 1700s? Yeah, according to I mean, all these movies, but who knows? I, I think the the cleanest thing that occurred was when we got sanitation, when we started moving our effluent away from us. Now, now, they we always have this image of England past, you know, in the fourteen hundreds with everyone shit and everything in the streets. Well, no, it was only in the very poor sectors where the government of the day didn't want to spend money. There were areas that had good waste removal, etc. I mean, it was it's not a a new thing. Yes, they didn't have flushing toilets, but they had people that emptied buckets and filled buckets and things like that. And that's but I, I even think there was a lot more sanitary side to the life than has been reported historically. Um, the thing that's always got me a bit confused is the Palace of Versailles. Uh no, is it the Palace of Versailles or the Louvre? I think it's the Palace of Versailles. There are no toilets in the entire building. And um the historians say, oh people used to jet on the corners of the building on the walls, and then people came along and picked it up. So well, where's your primary evidence of that one? <laughs> I mean, oh, that's what they tell you. They say, oh, no, they were the shit, and you just used to go over what? This is what the French hierarchy used to do. What bullshit? Where's your evidence? What, are you got a pile of shit still there from when they did? I mean, 
it doesn't make sense. But it also doesn't make sense that you have a huge building, and it is a huge building construction, without toilets. Or have they removed the toiletry system? Have they? What was its purpose? So something's amiss there. It's very Something's strange. Missing. Yeah, it's a very. If you look it up, you'll find quite a bit of referencing the fact that they just went to the toilet and peed on the floor, and there were people who came and ran around like little munchkins and picked it up with a little dustpan and broom and took it away. Bullshit. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't. You know, you know, it's sort of yeah, right. What What's your take? Um, just changing the subject slightly. Mm. What's your take? It is Paris, isn't it? That has all. I think it's it's France anyway. Yeah, what's your what's your take on what's going on there? All the skeletons? Well, all the all the it's all the skulls, is it? Millions piled up. Yeah. Yeah. I would would like to see someone do some analysis of say three or four hundred of those skulls to see if there's any way to see if they are of different ages. Right. Because if they're all from the same period, then you've got a mass grave uh, or parts of. And um, We have a problem there, though, Phil, don't we? Yeah. Then you've got to ask why. Well, not wars, not wars. (laughs) No one was killed. No one was, you know, what. But, um, yeah, this gets back to your mud flood theories and all that. But I, without knowing if, you know, if is that skull 150 years old, that's 20 years old, that's 400 years old, that's 1,000 years old, how do you measure that? And don't give me carbon dating, please. Don't, don't, don't go there. <laughs> well, we know, we know they can't measure that, so that's yeah, the, the thing. Um, the only other interesting thing I find about that is the fact that they store the femurs. Uh, you know, the femur is one of the main source of DNA and all the, the cells, etc. Well, everything's all your stem cells are made in your in your marrow. Yeah, your blood comes from your marrow, etc. The marrow, even especially the femur, is one of the main areas where you can identify someone, and it's very useful for everything. So, someone, and that's part of the pirate mythology that the pirates cross their femurs to say, "You're not having my my identity." It's a bit of a, a thing about. That. That's what that cross. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, because it's, was, it's your true identity is in your thighs. I always thought that was a Mason thing <laughs> or a Templar thing. I'm talking oh, of, talking yeah, I mean, of no, Knights Templars. Take on these, these memes of the time because it's useful, um, you know, but also it's a, an identity, you know. We still use it in the Templars today. Sorry, what is that OS? Breaking up, mate, real bad. Is <laughs> uh, he's I don't know why he's having some. Oh, it is a bit flaky today. It's the skull and crossbones always signifies a death, I suppose, but it's more about an identity. It's not so much about death. It's about it's a man and his genetics, his DNA, his his person, his identity, and in a way, it's a kick against the the system, which is identity less. You, you are nothing. You're just a, a legal fiction in the system. So you've got to prove you're, you're real, which is the whole principle of equity in law. It's the fact that real people determine where the, the growth is. Interesting stuff. Yeah, it, it's all a different point. It's looking at something as a different, but everything is valuable. That's the point, because it all tends to lead you somewhere. Not always where you want to go. But... There you go.
I'm going to end it there anyway, mate. Because <laughs> gonna... a great one. Yes. Thank you very much. I, I better turn off Craig actually while I'm thinking about it. I know S. It's really disappointing. I could. Uh, we can do it's it very, again soon. Very in and out. When you hear it back, you'll hear how We're broken up it is. Yeah, I don't know if I'm breaking up from your end. No, you're you're absolutely fine. So I'm not um, for some well, maybe reason. Maybe Sydney, maybe Sydney, Australia is on the on the, the live wire today. Mister Internet. It's probably something to do with the fact that you're upside down. It's, the signal travels easier no, to you. No, no, we're on top, you numbnuts. <laughs> Everything is the opposite to what you think. Did you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's why it's cheaper for us to fly to you. We just fly downwards. It uses less fuel. Ah, right. Okay. Much easier, didn't you know? You know, God. You know, the ice cream on the lid of the ice cream container is fat-free. That's why we're fat-free. We're at the top. All the shit falls to the bottom. Bad luck. You're down there. (laughs) (laughs) I must admit, when I'm in England, I look lost. I just, I'm gone i northern hemisphere skies i've grown up with southern hemisphere it's just chalk and cheese i need my sat nav when i'm in europe anyway yeah good night mate and thanks very much all right mate good on you i'll speak to you soon well that is the first tng breaking reality member call in the bag i'd like to thank phil for joining me today along with original simulant with his brief teleportation so goodbye for now Divert me to 
been lied to before Do I trust you? Maybe this time is right I hope so Cause losing's the real drag every Yeah.